is a bit Cox. He can go on the not preferred. 200 centimetres. You can't do that. Perkins threw a bit of traffic. Oh. The right foot, Nana. And it's just class. It bounces the way of Jones. This is Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello everyone, good to be back. We should actually catch up again on the in the CBD. It's been like two it's, years, but <laughs> just realised Well, it's, it's, it's spoiling the uh, allure of the podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yes, uh, pandemics didn't help. So, uh, look, thank you for everyone for joining us. Uh, look, we'll get straight into it. We have uh, a very, very special guest, a good friend of the show. You know him as the fan of Draft Guru, AFL.com rep, uh, journalist. I think probably... the Best journalist going around if you want to get something uh, accurate and reported well. Um, so, Cal Toomey, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. It's good to be back. Um, hard act to follow with Mason Redmond, but we'll try our best uh, uh, today. But look, it's been a big few weeks and there's a big few more weeks to come with um, all eyes from a Bombers perspective, I'm sure, clearly on, on number four pick. But I don't want any questions about number four tonight. So <laughs> Okay, yeah. Um, Nah, nah. Well, <laughs> that's a, number four pick is a beacon of hope, so that's good. Look, Absolutely. whether you like it or not, the word Dave is going to be mentioned, and the word four is going to be mentioned. So uh, that's that's a that's a given. Hey, but because uh, we had Mason Redmond, we were scheduled to actually do a a trade week wrap up show, but yeah. mate, at the last minute, suddenly Mason Redmond well, Mason, Mason Redmond became av- came available, and we're obviously not going to say no to that. So we can finally talk about. Trade week and who better than uh, with Cal Toomey? I guess just in a general sense, not including Essendon, just in a general sense, how do you see trade week went? Uh, who were the winners and and who um, probably didn't do as well? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it was massive and that's a little bit of built up money and um, availability for players to move clubs after a couple of years where it's been a little bit harder to do that with with you know, less funds, I guess, from club perspectives. TPPs are really full over the past couple of years. So um, 36 players move clubs. That's two teams worth, you know, two, uh, two first 18s worth of, of players who, who change teams, which is pretty amazing. It's not quite a record, but it was pretty close. So, um, yeah, I mean, Ge- the rich got richer. We've, we've all heard about that. But Richmond and Geelong, I think, were, were two of the bigger winners. We know about Geelong's trade period. They somehow end up with with um, a couple of gun 20-year-olds as well as um, pick seven and a 24-year-old who's a good player as well in Jack Bowes and and, and Richmond uh, are in for the here and now and the future. Look, I think Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto are stars. And then Brisbane, of course, targeted Josh Dunkley. They pick up Jack Gunston late as a, as a, as a, as a easy signing um, to add to their forward half. And then they get two of the best players in the land in the draft eyes in, uh, if, if Will Ashcroft and, and Jasper Fletcher. So those three clubs, I thought, were the three of the better ones who made the best of their strength, I guess. You, you want to be a club that players want to go to. So that leads to, I guess, uh, Essendon Football Club and their experiences through the trade period and what, what was achieved. Do you think... Um, 
uh, with all the noise around the club, uh, obviously Brad Scott, the later, very late appointment, uh, literally on trade week. Uh, and, you know, just to, I guess the we all heard the external noise and everything like that. How much do you think that plays into trade week uh, against competing to other clubs? I don't think it has a significant effect on on clubs at that time of the year or Essendon at that time of um, its proceedings as well because I, I do think that the trade period over a couple of weeks there is a culmination of um, a lot of months' worth of um, work and build-up and and although not ideal to have um, the, the month or so without a senior coach in that period um, and, of course, the, the CEO situation – Although not ideal, I don't also think that it, it had too much of a bearing on on the targets that may have been keen, but um, otherwise weren't able to join because of these leadership positions that, that weren't filled at that point. And, and there's examples of that through the year that you know Essendon had interest in in Josh Dunkley and and Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto and Isaac Rankin. These four guys that, yeah, amongst others, that the four guys that left to their own clubs to, to join others, but ultimately though those decisions were, were largely made well before the, the upheaval that started to turn around Essendon at that end of the season. So, look, I, I think the bigger factor in it um, for the best part has just been a lack of performance over a number of years. I mean, we talk about those, um, most of those those players um, in that bracket and, you know, Richmond, Snags, Hopper and Taranto, on the back of three premierships and and another finals campaign and and a known product, I guess you could say, um, a known entity. And Dunkley goes to join Brisbane, who uh, have made the, the prelims throughout the last four years or whatever it is, and 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 have been contending there for a while. And and Rankin's a little bit different in that he was going back home to South Australia. So yeah, I, I don't think it had a huge bearing on, on what. The, the Bombers were able to do and what they otherwise would have been able to do if they had had the same um, coach in place for a little bit. Obviously, they were in play a little bit for the Jack Bowes. Well, they were in play for the Jack Bowes. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, Brad Scott moved really quickly to get in front of Jack Bowes as soon as he could and was appointed and, and he did that tour. But ultimately, um, Bowes chose the club that he felt had been there the longest for him. And, and he was buoyed by what, um, Geelong offered and and also it's hard to argue against Geelong's success. It's it's hard to see them it's hard no. to see them not being a really good team um, and challenging for a number of years. They've just won one premiership, but they've been there for ten years, and that's that's opposed to what Essendon's of of course um, foreseen over you know eighteen years. So I, I don't have it as a huge you know deficiency in terms of what the Bombers were able to do, but. Of course, it, it doesn't help. You um, you wrote an article, um, and just on the I noticed in the, like a, a last minute paragraph towards the end, you discussed an Essendon proposal to the Suns. Uh, can you talk around that um, and what that was, and um, and what they were trying to trying to get at? Yeah, well, uh, Alex Sexton has a year to run on his contract, and so does. Uh, Braden Fiorini, and um, I think the the option was thrown up to to take both of their contracts off their off the Suns' hands, and and for doing that, pick up pick five as well, um, similar to what the Bose deal would have been, I guess you could say, which of course included pick seven. Now, the Suns 
in in putting up pick seven, always knew they were probably going to get pick five in for Isaac Rankin. So that was probably part of their willingness to throw a pick seven to create that marketplace for Bose. Yeah. And and that's yeah, that wasn't going to be sort of part of their interest as well. And and the Bose money was different in that it was two years of his eight hundred plus thousand dollars salary, whereas these guys only have one year to go. So in in terms of absorbing their salary. Or, or spreading things out for, for Fiorini and Sexton, it's a little bit different than the Bose one, which is over two years and at, at a very high rate. So that was where that was thrown up. But yes, and threw that up. And, and obviously the Suns um, weren't keen to offload Big Five and those two players. Okay. Now, oh, sorry. Yeah, go yeah. for it. You want? Oh, I was going to say, um, just focusing on the two players we did actually get. Uh, so let's talk Setterfield first. Uh, look, in reality, both players pretty much just came over. I mean, the picks were very, very minor at, to say to say best. Uh, but Setterfield, a guy who's played a bit of wing at Carlton, never really had the inside kind of look that he would probably want. How realistic do you think he could probably have an inside look at Essendon? That's a good question. I, I think um, look, I, I think he's got ability inside. He's played on the wing as well. Um, he does add a different dimension to what Essendon's midfield group will look like. And it's a bit of third time lucky as well for Essendon and Setterfield. They're looking at him in the draft, of course, in 2016, yeah. where he was where he was pick five. And, and Andy obviously joined the club at pick one. Um, and then a couple of years later, we're probably second behind Carlton in trying to lure him back down from the Giants, where he had had a knee reconstruction and probably wasn't the most well-known player. But I think given his height and and inside work, there is uh, an opportunity for him to make a spot his own. And I, I liked that addition. I thought that he was worth um, grabbing and, and trying to see if he can add something to that midfield because I think he's got ability. And mm. and we saw a bit of that in the VFL finals as well late in the year, a bit of his form there as well. But probably was just in a midfield that Pat Carlton does have the, the insiders, the bigger insiders, a couple of them as well probably didn't have as much room to, to move or play in that area of the ground. So I thought that was, given the, the price paid, a, a nice asset to bring in. Yep, I agree. Uh, Wiedemann, um, uh, look, I won't say I'm a massive rep to how he's gone so far. I, you know, when I watch him for Melbourne, you know, I'm hoping he does a bit of a Peter Wright because uh, Peter Wright, you know, came into Essendon with a, a lot of flaws um, and he worked really hard on contested marking and and judging of the flight and just doing things like that. I sense Wiedemann's in the same kind of almost age and same scenario that his contested work in, in marking, everything has to really ramp up. Uh, do you like the a- acquisition of him? Yes, I do. And I think if you're basically moving out Francis and bringing in Wiedemann, I think that's um, – you're getting more of a, a known quantity in Wiedemann as well. Um which I, essentially that trade was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah they moved yeah, out yeah. Um, Francis and, and you throw some picks around left, front and centre, but in the end it was one out, one in. And I think what Wiedemann could provide as well is some some defensive backup as well, um, potentially as a defender, which I think might be some of the appeal there too to play at both ends. We know Francis uh, across his time at Essendon probably felt or looked most comfortable as a backman, yeah. um, but where he wanted to play, but... Then again, he sort of got pushed out of those roles and overtaken by a few others at different stages over the past 18 to 24 months. So I think um, Sam Wiedemann's worth the go. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I believe that, you know, 
I guess there's got to be some question marks about um, Harrison Jones's durability too at, at this yep. point of his career. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like I think we all want to see Harry play 22 games next year and, and kick 40 goals, but he's still developing and growing into his body and, and copying those hits and, and had so many recurrences with that ankle and, and foot issue over the preseason last year. So fingers crossed we do get a good summer out of um, Harry Jones and then see him play 20-odd games next year. But I think from that perspective, it's good to have another one alongside Peter Wright to, to help out there. Absolutely. So... Wiedemann um, and uh, Setterfield come in. We've got pick number four in the draft. We basically got Setterfield um, and uh, Wiedemann for, like you mentioned, not awful much. And with Essendon's, like you said, sort of war chest of, of money being larger than most, uh, do you reckon Dodoro and the Essendon footy club's done? Um, in terms of pick movement, um, I mean, I'm interested to see if they do try and move up the board from 22 because I feel like that's and it'll be 23 by the time or 24 even by the time a bid or two comes in for Fletcher and Ashcroft at the lines uh that's right on the precipice of what the Alwyn Davy bid will be so I'm sure we'll get to that shortly but that that's where I could see them trying to push up the board just a little bit closer into the latter part of the teens just to make sure that they do get in two picks before Davy whereas now it could be you know touch and go so that that could be an opportunity but yeah, they won't be able to use the cap space. What the cap space is, what the cap space will be um, for next year. Now they can sort of prepay some blokes and, and bank some cash potentially, and I'm sure they would have been doing that anyway. But they certainly do have um, a huge amount of uh, money to spend next year. Okay, is is a sorry if you mentioned this just before. Is a a thought process too with pick twenty two that they may um, trade it for a future pick. Yeah, for that angle to to get into next year's, uh, to have a bit more of a, um, a, a presence with picks, you know, because obviously you can they can still use a future first round and they've got a, a first round that then you, know, you try and have two have um, a couple of second round picks and and then you know have a proper strategy in place about how who you want to target and 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 the picks that can get that done. Yeah, they could look at that. It's the clubs are finding it really difficult to trade out of this year's second round into next year's second round. Okay. So there hasn't been an appetite for that in the trade period. And that's basically why um, Port Adelaide wasn't able to get um, Asava Radicalia out uh, across the line because they had pick 33. I think Geelong probably would have taken a future second round pick instead of the second round pick this year, yep. given what the draft looks like this year versus next. And they just weren't able to do it because clubs just haven't been able to move out. So um, I'm sure they'd be looking at that as an option potentially to, to – use a second-round pick there and just pay for Davy slash Davies with later selections. But um, at this point, I think that might be difficult. Just uh, before we go to a break, just uh, today, Essen announced uh, Cody Brand, Waterman and Ham being delisted. Um, I guess your initial thoughts, Brand probably was the one actually is getting the most debate. Uh, it felt like, if I'm being completely honest, it was between him and Josh Eyre. Uh Seems like Brand has got the uh, has got the cut. Is there a thought process? My thought was, wonder if he gets rookied. I think they would have said if he if they had that inclination to, okay. to rookie him. That's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have thought so. Um, yeah, so. Uh, uh, I mean, the writing was on the wall for all of them. It's never a good sign when clubs leave players in limbo until after the trade period. Yeah. Um, gen- I mean, the the rule of thumb is that that generally suggests they're in strife. Um, 
so yeah, I, mean, I, I feel for a couple of those guys. To be honest, I, I, there was a couple of years ago where I, I thought, and I still think, you know, Braden Ham's got some you know, capacity in the modern game as a runner, and, and Alec Waterman really did his job, didn't he? Particularly last year, um, in twenty twenty one, coming in and kicking a few mm. goals, but um, yeah, list spots are, are hard to come by this year, and clearly with Essendon's season as well, there's going to be some some good players coming in through the draft too. So the the, the way it goes, but. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a tough. It's probably a little bit tough for, for any of these players across the competition being cut after two years. Given a lot of these guys, one came in after twenty twenty, which was ruled out essentially all year from a Victorian perspective, mm-hmm. like Cody Brand's season would have, and Josh Air for that matter. And then twenty twenty one, they spent their first year on the road, in and out of hubs, in and out of VFL, basically no state league footy, all those type of things. So yeah, it's it's a tough initiation for a couple of these, these players. And there's a couple of Collingwood as well who've been cut this week as well from that 2020 crop. So, yeah, it's a challenging for, um, sort of initiation for those guys, I think. Is it your understanding that Waller's most likely going to Fremantle? Fremantle seemed pretty confident on him. If, if I guess if he – first he has to obviously make the decision, yes, I'm definitely coming back, but it seems to be linked to, to Fremantle if that decision was made. Uh, I think it just did a lot to play out on – the Waller front, yeah. I, mm. I'm not um, going to be anticipating one way or another on that one. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, um, he's been out training. Um, you know, this has been sort of known pretty early on after, you know, he, he retired that he could look at a, a, a return as well. At, at one point, he, he said he wasn't keen on it, but I think clearly it was always part of the the, the idea down the track for a possibility. So, oh, where, where that ends up is um, is still a long way off, I think. So, look, we'll go to a quick break and we'll come back and talk about uh, the draft. And welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Um, with us, of course, is uh, Cal Toomey. Now, Cal, if we cast our eyes towards um, the draft this year, um, just remind us what picks we've got um, in the national draft this year. Off the top of my head, you've got <laughs> 422, 54, 62, 68, 72. Look, there's a few spots Brother, there to top fill. Top of your head, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, a few of those will change as well across the night, of course, when bids come in and, and picks come out and, mm. and, you know, all that type of thing. But I'm expecting sort of um, a reasonably low amount of national draft selections this year. So um, I think Essendon will be one of the clubs with a, a, a bigger hand at this point. Yeah, so obviously the focus in reality is pick four. Uh, that's where it, it feels like I'll, I'll let you disagree or not. When I talk, hear people talk about the draft and who are in the industry, it does feel like it's not as deep as last year. Um, is that a fair assessment that probably post pick twenty twenty five that it drops off pretty quick? I think that's probably fair. Yeah, and that's and that's part of what we're talking about before as well in terms of clubs trying to buy into that <laughs> yeah. part of the draft versus not. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's probably a bit of a lag of effect as well of the COVID years as well for this draft class. This this draft class came into the year as the unknown draft class. We've never seen 
less of a draft class than than this year until it actually happened. Even 2020, we'd seen these guys at 16s and 17s level. It wasn't the case this year. So, um, mm. yeah, I think there's a little bit of a lag effect to that. But also, at the top end, there's some really exciting players. So uh, the top group is going to match up pretty well, I think, with, with most years. And um, I think we've seen a fair few of those develop and, and progress across the year. But beyond that, um, there's going to be some winners and and clubs that have very different views on what the the 18 to 40 part of the draft is i reckon we know um we know where uh, ashcroft is going obviously uh gws gws getting to their next to the pick um with the trade uh it, it all it's all it's all pretty much solid on who they're going to pick as uh cabin so so that's the forward gone uh so i mean obviously that would be an ideal pick for Essendon. Um, so they're kind of leading, you're getting towards the Sheasel, Sardis, uh, probably Wardlaw, Humphrey, that kind of crop. Um, do you have an inkling of, of where um, Essendon may go or, or, you know, the route Essendon may go? Um, I've got my thoughts, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you speak. <laughs> you tell me, who do you, who do you want? Uh <laughs> Look, if it's it's, uh, it's really a hard one actually because there's there's just a, a a little whisper. I'll say a whisper that you know that Wardlaw Wardlaw could be available. Um, now, I I don't know anyone who doesn't have Wardlaw in the top two um, behind Ashcroft. Um, so. Uh, and you know he's obviously played against Ash with Ashcroft in the game and got two BOGs. So uh, he, you know, when he played, he was very, very good. Um, I don't know what North's intentions are, but there was just, you know, there's talk that he actually could slide to Essendon. The immediate response is, oh, 182 centimeters, Parish McGrath, you know, you know, fitting him, you know, to the whole crew of 182 centimeter. Hobbs and Merritt and, and Caldwell. So you immediately go, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Um, but then when I saw him play, like, so I go, okay, I'll, I'll go watch YouTube and watch full, I'll actually watch, you know, half a game or three quarters of a game. Uh, and then, you know, you see him play and you go, oh, okay, he's got a big leap for, you know, oh, he's got, you know, look at the burst, look at the competitiveness. Um, he has got traits that not many of our mids have. So I've kind of more warmed to him as just the more I've watched him. Um, but everyone will say big body and Sardis is, is there. And, 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 you know, um, I suspect North will pick Sheasel. That's just, uh, he's one of those players. I think you, if you have two picks, he's one of those picks you, you have as a point of difference, but, um, Sardis is, you know, if he comes available, he'd be very hard to resist as well. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, we've said it a couple of times. I feel like the the leading candidates for North are Sheasel and Wardlaw. So I, I'd be, um, yeah, I think they're the leading candidates there. But um, Wardlaw is a different type, as you say. He's different. I know he's the same height, but he's very different to those other guys already in Essendon's midfield. He, he jumps, he, he kicks goals more, he fends off. He's just a different player. So. You're right. The height's one thing, but he's also very, just a very different player to a lot of those other guys who are already in there. Sardis is a terrific player. Some of his best games this year have been 
outstanding, really. It's easy to forget a little bit because he missed a key part of the middle of the season with foot injury. But uh, what he produced at the start of the season for the Oakley Chargers was pure inside-outside midfield stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, 40 touches a couple of games, you know, eight clearances, those type of games. It's dominant, dominant stuff. And you can go on the outside. So he's going to be a big boy, Elijah. It's his 18th birthday today. So he's one of those eight sort of later, later births as well. Um, he's still got, you know, physical maturity to, to gum. He's going to be a, a bigger, bigger, you know, dual midfield option. Yeah. Um, and then there's Bailey Humphrey, who I'm a big rap for. I think there's some Toby Green, you know, stuff about him. Um, he's 185 centimetres and really powerful player. He's strong legs, jumps well, marks above his head, kicks goals, just takes a lot of shots at goal. Um, I think he'd be right in the frame as well and should be right in the frame. He's, he's a quality player. I think Ruben Jinby would be a player that even could go that high. Um, yep. He's 189 centimetres, aerobic freak, quick, um, plays mid, big body midfielder, but also can go back as well. He's got some exciting traits. I think we're going to be talking more about him in the next five or six weeks. And the other one is Matthias Philippou. You know, if you're looking at sort of inside midfielders who can go forward, he's got some some traits around that mark as well. So, look, there's a lot of options there. And um, I feel like all of them have and will would bring different capabilities to what Essendon should be looking for at that pick. I got you. Uh, look, it's, it's really interesting uh, what what they may do. Um, obviously, the Davies, um, both in play, uh, one's obviously, you know, around the 15 to 20 mark, it feels like. Um, Jaden, it's just, uh, I don't, you know, it's like, may slip past 40, but some clubs may be really tempted on, on the vision they've seen. With pick twenty two, obviously, it makes it very tricky uh, to to how this all plays out. And and you're right, there there could be that kind of trading on the night kind of scenario. Um, do you think it will get a bid before twenty two? It'd be touch and go. Uh, I honestly think it could happen, and I also wouldn't be shocked if it didn't happen. If that makes sense. Sometimes we've saying this a few times. Sometimes the father sons who aren't right in that top, you know, eight to ten can drift a little bit, and same with academy players, can drift a little bit further out. Now, does the club try and hold Essendon accountable to it? Because he do, it wouldn't be out of place for a bid to come before 22, which, as I say, it should probably becomes 24 once the, the yeah. two bids on the Brisbane boys are in, which makes it look even more you know, unlikely that he, he gets to that point. So that's where Essendon would have a great night if they can get two players in before a bid for Alwyn comes. Um Who's going to do it? I, I don't know at this point, but I do think that there are some some clubs that, that would be thinking about it because, and that's not out of anything other than rating his talent around there. Look, he he hasn't shot the lights out, Alwyn, but his best games have been really exciting, and and in all of those best games, there's been more than enough to suggest he's got enough to be an AFL player and to to do some exciting things. So, and that's as mainly a midfielder and Jaden more as a small forward option, more like his dad, and he's and Alwyn's more like his uncle. Um, and that's been been the story of um, their season, um, you know, respectively. But both pretty pretty good kids as well. Speak well. Have, have enjoyed their time at the Bombers through the academy program as well, and have taken under the wing of, of Hep. Uh, I think a fair bit as well when he's been involved with them. So, yeah, I think they're both pretty keen to get to the Bombers, um, as they've said a couple of times. But 
Uh, and and Jaden, Jaden's got a risk factor to him, obviously, with the, the two knees at different times mm. over the past couple of years. And, and for other clubs bidding on him, that would be a risky bid, I think, um, given you, you haven't seen too much off him at this level. Yeah, um, you, you're right. It's, uh, I wonder, because he got in, invited to the combine, right? Um, both. So is there, is there a rule around that when you're invited to the combine that, you know, there's certain clubs that actually want you to go to, to, to have a chat to you? So there's a, kind of a, a, a scenario where there is actually interest in the player because you've been invited? Yeah, there's the national combine and the state combine. Both have sort of different degrees of, of how much um, – how many invitations that they require from AFL clubs, but also when you get there, it's not a um, a lock in how many interviews you get because of that. Some clubs um, speak to thirty players, some clubs speak to twenty, some players speak to fifteen clubs, other clubs speak, other players speak to two clubs across two days. So it's a little bit different depending yeah. on different situations. But yeah, there's a, there's a different degree to how much the interest is there, but. Clubs have watched Jaden and, and know about Jaden and know of his ability as well. So there's no doubt about that. It's it's not obviously um, gone under the radar of how much talent these two boys have. And and I think the SN supporters should be excited about him coming on board, hopefully. I'd love to see him and a Wanganine um, uh, running yeah. around on the same field. I mean, I think they've, they're both sort of at that. They're both, they look like they're talented. They've got some talented, but I think they're going to be very young. But I'd, I'd, I just reckon in, in the right environment, if Essendon can stay uh, stable um, for the, the next over two, three years, I reckon there's a lot of talent, especially with Wanganine. Um, and to have another um, quick Indigenous player coming through, I think it'll be worth its weight in gold, especially um, if we can get both of them. Yeah, I, think, I think Tex has been a little bit out of sight, out of mind, hasn't he? Yeah. After yeah. Um, that injury in the second half of the season. So uh, what we saw from Tex in his first year was pretty exciting, I thought, from from where he'd come from as well. So I think those three boys would be um, spending a lot of time together in the forward craft group over summer. Just to uh, give the answer to a whole lot of questions I get from Essendon fans, they always they they had this, this bit of a mild panic because a certain media publication saying that Davies haven't nominated Essendon as yet. You know what's going on. Even with the interview that I saw you have um, with the Davies, I've never felt like, and just people I talk to maybe around the club, I never felt like there's actually really a concern about them not not getting to Essendon and father son. No, I mean, I, I don't have that concern. I, I could have missed it. Don't get everything, but I, 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 uh, I, I don't. I haven't been following that one up, thinking that there's a huge level of concern there. No, yeah, it was a bit of a mischievous from a few publications, but we won't say those. Um, Hacks, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mankara, uh, obviously, it's a it's a name that Essen fans commonly uh, reach out to me about. What do I thought and that sort of thing? So, you know the the. The tea leaves that I came on hearing is that he was probably, and correct me if I'm wrong, four or five months ago was, you know, maybe around the the 20s mark and may have slipped now more you pass your 40s um, or even or even possibly later. Um, is that is that kind of what you're reading? Yeah, I think that's probably right. And his, his um, call up to the AFL Academy game in April or May or whatever it was, was testament to that as well, that he was probably being viewed around that part of the draft. I think most clubs would have thought at that point as well that um, he probably wouldn't get to the Bombers, having seen what we'd seen for him at under-18 under level at different 
um, points, but since then just hasn't played too much. And obviously, um, yeah, just wasn't sort of uh, on the field enough, I think, for, for clubs to be making that bid um, or, or just take him. Of course, you know, Essen don't have the option to, to match a bid for him after no. or until after pick 40. So I think the odds are more in favour of him getting to, to the Bombers as a later pick at this point. Uh, there's, okay. a, there's, a, there's a little grab that I think last year, did he kick nine goals, six in a game? Or was, <laughs> was it a school game or something? I'm not sure, but he he, he can, knows his way around goals for sure and, <laughs> and kicks at both feet. Really nice size. Um, he's got a lot of ability. So, uh, yeah, there's there's clubs that have, have been watching him for a couple of years now and, and tracking him, but obviously this year just through um, not playing so much footy, there's it's probably more of a chance that he gets to the Bombers now than I think probably would have been the case had he had he gone through um, till the end of the year. Okay. Just finally, before we let you go, uh, obviously Essendon go into next year being a very very young side. What what as a what are you looking forward to seeing with Essendon? Is it the is it the group of the Cox Perkins Reed kind of group? What are you looking to see that? hopefully progresses to a to a next level? Great question. I'd love to see, um, yeah, as you say, Archie play a lot of midfield time. I'd love to see Nick Cox find the position that Essendon want him to play. I know there's a new coaching group or head coach who will no doubt have his ideas on what that is. love to see Zach Reid get a full season in. love to see Harry Jones get a full season in. I think um love to see Ben Hobbs get, you know, a, a lot of midfield minutes as well. I'd, I'd, I'd be really keen to see them work out what that best midfield looks like mm. and how they play together um, and get the best out of that that whole midfield group. Let's see Andy play off halfback, McGrath, mm-hmm. and, and play there all year um, and be one of the best halfbacks in the competition because I think he can be. Yep. I think he was in his first year of AFL footy. Mm. Um, he, he really quickly made himself into one of those Really good halfback. So that's a that's the things, or well, those are the things that I'm I'm really keen to see from Essen next year. I'm not expecting miracles or, or huge jumps. Um, I think you know defensively, there obviously will be a lot of work done. I'd imagine over summer to create a plan that, that stands up and holds up a, a lot better. But look, I think um, what Brad's spoken about, um, Brad Scott's spoken about since being appointed, is that. You know the club's not entitled to, to progress just based on history, and and I think that's that should resonate with you know a lot of people as well. That you know you get basically what you deserve in in AFL. <laughs> yeah. You don't deserve to be any better or higher on the ladder than fourth last just because of X, Y, or Z. Yep. Essendon got what it deserved last year based on its performance, and and it, it'll get what it deserves in the future as well if if things improve and and game plans uh, are. Um, a more um, yeah balanced and and the players continue to, to develop as well. I don't think this is going to be an overnight flick of the switch. No. So, but I don't think that should be expected either. I'm not sure what you guys think as well, but um, I, I feel like um, this is a long term strategy that, that they're only a little bit into. And as you say, Scooter, it's one of the youngest teams in the competition. It was the second youngest team on average every week this year. Um, only marginally in front of Adelaide, um, and I'm not sure what the the list sort of change up over the summer would mean to that now. But it'd have to be in the bottom couple again, still with what maybe one thirty year old on the list, or, or maybe two, but yeah. um, certainly not many um, at this point. 
Um, so still, a, there's still such a, an amount of growth that'll come. It'll be five top 13 picks over the last three years. Um, once pick four's delivered, whoever whoever that is. So I think that gives them a really good core of great young talent. Um, but I, I think that the road is still relatively long and it's not going to be an, an overnight thing. But I think um, the early signs from what Bragg Scott's shown, I think he's a really good choice for that role as well. Um, I think that he's got a, he's going to have some um, presence among the group that that, that um, would be really good for the Bombers and, and the club on the whole. So um, I, I'm pretty confident in, in in already what I've heard from him publicly. So I, I think that, um, yeah, the, the signs are there that things will be on track, but, you know, I don't expect them to be jumping into the top six next year. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. Uh, my gut feeling is what's happened the last month is – it's a club that pretty much had to humble itself, um, had to be real with itself. Uh, I think though we've had some messy stuff and messy appointments and, and we won't go into that, but I think the intent still for me um, for, from what's happened was the right intent. I think we've got the right coach selected for where this group is at, uh, especially I, I, I really do value who's, Brad's time at the AFL, I think that's a, a really critical part to what he would have learned, um, reviewing so many other programs around the country. Um, so I'm happy where things are at. Um, I'm like yourself. Like if someone asked me, I was asked the other day, oh, we're going to make finals next year. No, I, I, in my head, no. Um, but that's okay. And one thing Mason Ridman clearly said is that, you know, for once and once and for all, this club has to have some linear success, and 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 it's not a it's not a roller coaster. He talked about not going peaking suddenly up, but then the next year not making finals, and oh, we've scraped to eighth, yay! You know, he kind of said he's sick of that. He said he said that good clubs have linear growth; they just keep improving year on year until they get to a point where they can compete. And so yeah. that told me that even his mindset clearly understands where things are at. Uh, and that it's not all going to, you know, hit amazingly next year. It's going to be hopefully you just the small things, competitiveness, you know, week in, week out, uh, and, you know, flashes of, of real brilliance and, and taking up to some good teams. But the reality is some teams like Richmond and Geelong are going to sort us out. Physical, old, you know, senior bodies, they're going to sort a few, sort us out sometimes. So um, that's where we're at. But, like you said, the the young core I, I I really like coming through, and obviously we'll get some um, even with the Davies uh, and the pick four, mm. we'll get some more added talent. Um, we'll we'll start to sort out our small forward uh, issues. So there's 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 something to look forward to, but it, it is it is a you know let's it's going to take some time. Yeah, I agree. It's going to take a little bit of time, and and. Um that's okay if you if you believe in in what's in front of you, and I think Essen supporters should believe and 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 trust what's in front of them. I know that might sound difficult at times, given they've probably been told this before on a number of occasions. But and I understand that, but I, I do think that um, the changes that have been made have, have um, you know, on the whole, probably um, and and will deliver you know some some positive things as well uh, across time. So. I agree with you, Scoop. Yeah, and even development, even that side of things. Um, 
uh, it doesn't matter who 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 thought of it and how it. It was just it was just key that is actually being done uh, and just going. You know the whole message. We're going back to a football club. Football's our business. Commercial second. You know it. It kind of rings true. But you you know so that's like okay. We're starting to get back to to the right balance of what a football club should be. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping good times ahead. Did you have something? No, I, I just <laughs> want to echo basically. I think you, I was halfway through that conversation. I went, yep, that's what I was going to say. Um, no, it's. I think one of one of the key things for me is this. Um, during this year, um, when we were playing Ben Hobbs, who's an 18 year old kid, and we're putting him in um, situations, where we're asking him to win the ball and 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 do really well for us as an 18 year old first year player. I, I didn't agree with it at the beginning. It, it felt like we brought in Ben Hobbs because. We didn't have that big-bodied mid and we needed to get Ben to get the hold of the ball. Well, what it showed you was that if you play kids like that, the the talented kids, you play them a lot during a year, they do improve quickly or quicker playing in the ones. Um, it, it's not always the case in Wanganin because someone like Wanganin came in, he, he gave little glimpses but potentially needed a bit more time in the twos. What I'm really looking forward to next year is um, the, like you said, the development of the kids. We are going to be a really young side and to, to see Wanganine out there, to see potentially the Davies getting a game or two, but to see, like like you said, Cal Reed, um, who's, look, he could be anything. He's a big, tall unit with both feet. Nick Cox, people just forget about that unicorn-like player and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to us just playing the players that are going to be good for us in the future and getting those games into them so that, we can determine whether or not we've got the list that's going to take us to another premiership um, and we can work on the development of those kids in the seniors because I, I said they should be playing in the twos until they're ready to play in the ones, but I'm almost turning it around now and saying, well, you know what, let's get them the experience in the ones um, whilst we're building a team. <laughs> He's just nodding his just head. Just nodding his head? Okay. <laughs> I like it a lot. Look, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Thanks, Cal. Uh Thank you, as always, for joining us. Uh, you've got a busy month ahead. When when's your fandom draft expected to 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 land? Uh, yeah, I don't. I actually don't even want to think about it. It's, but but <laughs> but it's it'll land a couple of days before the draft. So the draft's on October. Uh, sorry, November twenty eight and twenty nine. I think it's it is really Monday, late, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it'll drop a few days before that. But um, bit of work to go, fair to say, before we uh, have yeah. any confidence in in what we will. They are be um, putting out there for those picks, but anyway, that's there's there's a bit of a gap this year at least between trade and draft, so a little bit of a, a lull now to, to get to work. No problem. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Have a great night, and uh, no doubt we'll, we'll talk again uh, sometime soon. Thanks, Cal. Anytime. Thanks for having me on, guys. <laughs> <laughs>